We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Good afternoon, everybody. I am your host, John McKechnie. Welcome into the Rotowire NFL podcast brought to you by our friends over at WinBet. That there is my fine co-host, Mario Puig. We are getting you ready for week four of the NFL season. Mario, how are you doing on this fine Thursday? Oh, I'm doing okay. How about you, John? I'm doing well. Uh, I went to a concert last night, a band that both you and I are big fans of. So it was, it was cool to see them. It's cool to you know see a concert again type of deal. So um, I'm in a great mood. Uh, that that was awesome. Still like you're not going to name drop the band on either of our behalfs. No, no free, uh, no free ads for for the OCs. They're the OCs. They're very good. Check them out. Yeah, yeah. we both listen to very good music, by the way. So that's that's how we let you know. Like when I want to tell you about these bands that we know of and love so much that are better than what you listen to, listener. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, our our taste is impeccable. This is no. We're very important. Um, we are. Uh, we're, we're tastemakers, really, um, and we're tastemakers in the fantasy football landscape as well. So we'll, we'll dive into that. Let's uh, let's quickly um, discuss what we got going on Thursday night. This is a this is a game, Mario, that I think everyone circled the second that the NFL dropped the schedule. It was like, oh baby, we get Jags Bengals on Thursday night, end of September. Let's go, and here we are. We we finally have made it to to one of the, like the the marquee games of the season so what what are your thoughts here um as we get into to Bengals jags where the Bengals, it looks like they're offensively it looks like they're start things are starting to come together jamar chase uh looks like he is arriving if he hasn't already arrived essentially and then the jaguars uh still a pretty big mess um and they, they somehow managed to not cover last week against the cardinals despite being touchdown dogs at home. So now they go on the road and they got to cover seven and a half points. How do you see this one shaking out? Well, yeah, I'm not breaking anything for anybody when acknowledging that the Jags are a total mess, even more of a mess than the Bengals. And the Bengals, they're doing okay. Beating the Steelers last week was big, but uh, we'll see how much of that is really the Bengals being good or the Steelers just kind of being toast. Finally, uh, the Bengals defense especially is better than I expected. And again, maybe that'll uh, regress a little bit when they face better opponents, but it doesn't seem like the Jaguars are one. So even with Chidobi Awuzie, uh, it looks like he might be out for this one. Uh, even with him out, might be too. Sorry, what was that? 
I think Jesse Bates is injured as well. Oh, yeah, he's, good yeah, he's good out. point. Yeah, he's a really good player too. But Awuzie uh, was probably their top like outside corner, and I guess they get Trey Wayne's back. So you could say that's kind of a break even for them. In any case, they would appear to have the advantage over the Jags' offense just because the Jags look like a mess until further notice. And I do expect the Jaguars to get better on offense, if only because I still think Trevor Lawrence, even with the bad numbers, he kind of just looks awesome to me. And I know that doesn't really make sense. Because uh, he has a lot of bad plays that are certainly occurring, but it's one of those things like it, when you watch him play, or at least the way the way I feel about it is, he can obviously make big improvements results wise with just little tweaks. Uh, that isn't the same. That, that isn't as much the case with other players who might improve. It's like with Lawrence, if he gets a little bit better, he'll get a lot better really fast. And I do think it's in his nature, the kind of talent that he has, the kind of just what he showed at Clemson. I do think that'll happen eventually, but on a short week that's pretty tough to pull off. And, uh, you know, if, if the Jaguars can get uglier than they've been, you would think a Thursday night would kind of bring out that risk even more. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really kind of, uh, expose those flaws even further. So I, I can totally see that. Um, I do expect the, the Bengals to win this one. Seven and a half is a lot to trust the Bengals with, but at the same time I think the Jaguars, um, are kind of the trump card in that, in, in that they will find a way to somehow lose by more than that. So, um, I, I'm on the Jag or I'm on the Bengals for this one. I'm on the Jags uh, faltering in this one by more than a full touchdown. Let's get on over to Sunday. This one uh, leading things off is probably the survivor pick du jour. You don't really see lines like this too too often at this level, but we got Bills playing host to the Texans. Um, some some books have this as high. I bet MGM does as uh, Texans 17 point underdogs. FanDuel has. Uh, the Bills is 15 and a half point underdog. So, I mean, th- this is um, obviously expected to be a, a, a blowout. The Texans are obviously not very good. Um, we last saw them last Thursday night get, get you know, they, they, they fought. But again, they just they didn't have the horses to contend with even a Christian McCaffrey-less um, Carolina Panthers team. So what are your expectations on, on this matchup with, where it looks like the bills are starting to, to click after that, you know, week one that, that I think looks stranger and stranger that the further and further we get away from it. Yeah. Well, with a spread like this, it's almost, it's hard to kind of play out in your mind what would need to happen for, for that kind of point total to hold up. Cause obviously the Texans, we expect to get beat badly and they can really get beat badly and still cover 16 and a half, 17 and a half, whatever you're looking at at the, at the moment. And uh, it can, it's one of those things that they can close. They can cover that in like the last, you know, 45 seconds in a garbage time kind of scenario. So that's uh, that's a tough number to hold up. But then again, I don't know, especially if the Bills offense is looking the way it did last week, uh, which I don't know, I, I kind of am blaming Washington for some of that. I think Washington kind of just fell apart in a way that doesn't really make sense. Not to take credit away from the Bills, but uh, I just don't want to, assume that they're I don't want to assume that they're as good as they would be if we assume that the Washington defense is like a top five or top ten defense but I don't think they are there's there's just something Jack yeah. real screwed up or something um yeah. but anyway I was going to ask you I, I know it's uh, unrelated to to this game but I mean since we're already talking about it what is the deal with the Washington defense like that that felt to me like the the fantasy defense to target this offseason yeah, and they, the only turnover they have is in the way of improvement of personnel, like taking out Ronald Darby, who he's fine or whatever, but he's basically a product last year of that pass rush and just kind of an easier playing situation than what he had previously. With William Jackson, it's like he's going from Bengals defense where he didn't really have much in his favor, like he was kind of playing well without much help, 
Now he goes to Washington with this pass rush and can't get results. Kendall Fuller was there last year. Uh, he's he's always had good results. He's he's not had any positive effect this year. I think uh, I don't know. Something's got to be going on with just like the coverages being a little. I don't know if they're less aggressive this year or what, but uh, William Jackson getting bad results just does not make any sense. And the pass rush, it's like they're getting a lot of pressure, but not a lot of sacks as if it's like, what if you were just bumping those receivers a little more at the line? What if you were just kind of slowing the routes a little bit? Maybe those would turn into sacks. And so like, maybe they're just giving too much cushion up. I don't really know, but the the Bills were in any case supposed to be last week's offense more than the first two weeks. And Houston's, probably going to play better defense than Washington did in a way. Um, but if the bills are back on track, they are at a you know level of quality where that shouldn't impede them in any meaningful way. So uh, it should be, you know, green lights for pretty much everybody on that offense, except I don't know what you do with the backfield. I, I'm obviously, uh, I, or at least I don't know if it's well known that I'm not really anti Singletary, but like I'm disinterested in that backfield and especially Singletary. Uh, one of the one of the commenters in one of my articles was complaining that I'm too mean to Devin Singletary. And I'm like, oh, Devin Singletary is fine. I just don't know why you think he's going to lead that backfield. You see how Zach Moss looked last week? He's he's pretty good. He's not bad. He gets hurt a lot, but uh, he can break tackles. Uh, Zach, Zach Moss kind of looked like uh, Javante Williams' highlight tapes last week, actually, like breaking lots of tackles, um, go, going for yardage after contact. I was like, yeah, that's the kind of player he can be. So uh, I do expect Moss to take the lead there, but I don't expect either to, to get – enough share of that team's rushing production to really be more than like a desperation flex or like a deep league flex. Yeah. Yeah. That like Josh Allen takes up a lot of the, that rushing work as well, especially, you know, he's, he's just physically larger than, than both Moss and Singletary. So he's like the better goal line option too. So that, that cuts down some of the, the touchdown upside for, for those backfield options there. So, so I'm definitely with you um, as far as the Moss Singletary quandary is concerned do we think that Stefan Diggs finally has a Stefan Diggs week this week well there's no reason he couldn't uh aside from I guess the Bills not wanting to show too much tape like they might want to save their best tricks for more meaningful game than this but personnel wise the Texans only had Bradley Roby going into this year as anything better than a bad on paper corner they traded him so they got Vernon Hargreaves still around and I don't remember who well, Terrence Mitchell, I guess. So we'll see. I mean, those guys can't cover him. So for Diggs to not produce, it would some other thing would, you know, some other reason like them not even trying to use him or the, the, the running game being so easily moving the chains that they don't even try to get Diggs going, something like that, because he will get open if they need him to, in my opinion. Yeah, he's getting the targets. He's just not... Uh, he's not been as efficient just yet. I, I, again, you know, we're only three weeks into the season, and, and Stephon Diggs has proven over a much larger that will correct of a receiver. Yeah, yeah, it's just a question of like whether it's here. It, it could be. There's no reason not to, aside from yeah, the Bills just maybe not needing him. I guess. Yeah, that that is definitely a fair point. I I, th- I think that we could see Diggs have like a reasonably high tar target count here but I think the, the efficiency will, will tick up but maybe not to the point where he has that monster game that that kind of wins you your matchup but um, I think that this will be his best game of the season thus far um, let's get on over Lions Bears uh, we got the Bears two and a half point home favorites in this one according to to, um, to some books I like the Lions money line here just straight up I, I think the Bears are a mess right now I think that they're like the the coaches actively, seemingly at odds with the players. 
and doesn't seem interested in winning in, in any sort of real way or it's, you know, his way or the highway, making Justin Fields do the Andy Dalton offense, blah, blah, blah. We all heard about it uh, this past week. And the Lions obviously just took the Ravens to the hilt. Um, they, they've had a couple other competitive-ish games. You know, the Niners game was pretty solid. At least they, they made a second-half run. Um, the Packers game obviously was not. But um, regardless, I think the Lions are. Um, and, and to your credit, you you were on this pretty early on. Like, Dan Campbell, I think, is doing a good job. I think of, of these first-year coaches, obviously Brandon Staley's got the, the record to point to. But as far as market improvement, even if it's not in the win-loss column, like, the Lions look like a football team again. Yeah, they they do, and yeah, Saley's definitely killing it with the Chargers too. But I I do think you got to consider Campbell kind of you know in that hunt for uh, I don't know if there's a such thing as like I don't know if there's any extra precedent for like rookie coaches competing for coach of the year, like especially in like the lowered expectations. There kind. seems to be. There seems to be actually. I guess that's what got Nagy in there. So uh, <laughs> you know things can change. There was a moment where Nagy looked good. He of course does not now, but. Campbell does look good, and the things that the Bears suffered with last week, some of that is Fields being a rookie, and I think some of it even was Fields showing that what I thought tendency he showed at Ohio State, where sometimes he just kind of didn't pull the trigger when he needed to, and it's not to say yeah. he can't learn how to, but he didn't need to in college. Like you, He never really learned how to pull that trigger, even though he had a 40-touchdown, three-interception season or whatever. So, yeah, he's not getting pressured enough to be forced to change Maybe in the NFL, he'll be pressured enough to be forced to change, and maybe he'll be able to do it. But in that game, he wasn't pulling the trigger in the few chances that he had. And, of course, a 40-year-old injured Jason Peters playing against Miles Garrett is just absurd. Worked really poorly. However, the, even though they don't have a Miles Garrett in this uh, line of offense, they do have Romeo Aquara, who's been pretty good this year, was double-digit sacks last year. They got some guys who are good enough to make a bad offensive line show up in the box score, you know? So... Uh, if Andy Dalton's injured, if they're going with Foles instead because Fields and Dalton are injured, whatever those scenarios just seems like one where the Bears' offensive line and passing game could cripple the whole offense again. And uh, even if the lines aren't a good defense, which of course they aren't, but when you're at, when you're talking about forty rolled two-time Achilles tear victim, I believe Jason Peters, like he's going to need a lot of help, and it doesn't seem like they have help to give. So. Uh, Lions defense could play surprisingly well here. And when I look at the Bears defense, uh, first of all, it looks like Khalil Mack, if he plays, is going to be playing a little bit less than 100%. And uh, the secondary just isn't that great. Uh, Jalen Johnson's a really good player. Jackson's got some good, uh, Eddie Jackson's had some good plays over the years, of course. But I think this Lions offense should be able to move the ball, assuming, you know, uh, Goff's tiny hands don't get a. Uh, destroyed by rain or a well, slight wind yeah, or whatever. Luckily it's, um, yeah, Maybe it's, it's the really Chicago wind. Here. Is that it why? should be okay. should be okay this this time. But I guess Goff does have – was that famous, like, Sunday night Rams-Bears game? Was that in Chicago? I um, can't remember. That, that, that was the one that, that I guess, theoretically blueprinted how to, how to beat the, the Rams, and I think the Patriots ended up co-opting that one a little bit. But either way, uh, going back to, to this particular – uh, Lions offense as someone who watched the entirety of the Lions game last week for reasons unrelated to the Lions Khalif Raymond kind of maybe sneaky good for like DFS purposes this week I don't know if you can really trust him in season long unless you, you're like in a fishbowl uh, level type of league in terms of depth but Raymond's got some juice to, to his game and and obviously this is a, a 
group of receivers that is so nondescript across the board that it, it feels like it's anyone's uh, anyone has the chance to, to kind of snatch that number one role uh, outside of Hawkinson, of course, the tight end. But I don't know. Raven, I would consider me interested. Yeah, he seems at least ahead of Amon Ross St. Brown. And it looks like Cephas and, and Raymond, um, until Tyrell Williams gets back anyway, looks like Raymond and Cephas are the top two outside receivers. And that's that's pretty rare that you see a guy as small, and I think Raymond is like 5'8", 170, something like that. It's rare you see a guy that small lining up outside, uh, at least as much as he is. It's not common to see that. But they clearly value his outside speed as a kind of decoy or like a way to neutralize the safety from getting too close to Hawkinson and Swift in the, in the pass-catching game. And I think you're seeing the, the theory pay off. Last week, like you observed, they got 10 targets to Raymond. I don't know if they're always going to go that way. I can't tell if that's sort of um, them sort of acknowledging that the Ravens' defense did a decent job of getting away in their uh, getting in the way of their other options. I think they'd rather have Raymond be more of like an occasional target and big play decoy kind of thing. But if Hawkinson or Swift is kind of dragging a little bit, then Raymond will have that slack up for grabs and. Just, it's a shame they don't have a better you know, downfield passer because it's downfield is where Raymond was so good with the Titans. Like they use the play action off of the, the slot post kind of look. And oh, I, I remember that one from Tennessee specifically in, in a certain uh, divisional <laughs> playoff game. Yeah, it's a real bad spot for a safety to have to watch him run at a, in a straight line at you and then try to guess whether he's going to break in either direction. And you have to guess right or you, you, realistically you can't really catch up to that kind of speed. So uh, he can make that big play. I don't know if Goff ever is really going to give him a shot here, but uh, t- 10 targets obviously speaks for itself. I'm not convinced that the efficiency was good enough, like six out of 10 targets or 68 yards. Not great uh, effectiveness there, but you're right. He's, he's, he's very fast and they're giving him snaps and even the targets, if, if you know, 10, 10 and 44 snaps is, he's not going to disappear from the offense. I think we can say at the very least. Okay. All right. Well, I'll take it. it. Obviously, it's an imperfect, uh, you know, type of play, but but one where theoretically could pay off. He, he does have uh, that that speed, speed plus opportunity, you know, occasionally that 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 will uh, turn in, into some production. And yeah, last comment. I thought that Swift looked really good last weekend, so I expect yeah, he does to continue to look good this weekend. I know he was limited earlier this week, but uh, that seems to just kind of be uh, the norm for for him a lot of the time. Uh, he gets dinged up a fair bit. Let's go Titans-Jags. Titans, seven-point favorites on the road in this one. Or Titans-Jets, I'm sorry. Titans-Jets, uh, seven-point favorites are the Tennessee Titans in this one. Titans have, have a lot of problems, but their schedule has been favorable enough to where they, they haven't really had to atone for their sins. I, I don't know. Maybe that's an incorrect comment. But like outside of week one, I don't think they've really faced anyone overly impressive. I, I, I don't believe in them Seattle, at all. Okay, I don't either. Um, so I don't try even with seven points um, against the Jets. I'm still not sure how I feel about that. And obviously, you got the AJ Brown issue. Uh, Julio Jones is, you know, once again uh, not at a hundred percent. I mean, is like Nick Westbrook a keen on on your radar at all? I mean, what, what's going on? I wish he had some athletic testing from before he went into the draft because it was last year and he. He didn't have any numbers. He was so he was interesting after his uh, freshman year at Indiana. It might have been a redshirt freshman though, because um, he had like 900 yards. He he seemed like he, he was immediately after Latim, Latimer, right? Like he he was the next yeah, guy after yeah, Latimer. He was the next guy after Looked Latimer. like he was going to be a big deal for a minute, and then he kind of just disappeared after his freshman year. So yeah, I was at one point. Yeah, I was not expecting him exactly to pop up. 
like especially like last week. And I don't know what the hell the deal with Josh Reynolds is. I don't know how they go into free agency and sign him and then have it be like a worse option than not just uh, Westbrook, but also Chester Rogers, apparently. Whatever. I don't think this Titans team is in great shape exactly. I think the Seahawks made a lot of mistakes in their game that would have put away the Titans if, if they had managed themselves a little differently. Without A.J. Brown and without potentially Julio Jones, that puts every single uh, you know bit of defensive consideration onto Derrick Henry. Like, Don't cover the other guys. Who cares? Just, just let them go. Doesn't matter. Uh, you can sell out against Derrick Henry with complete impunity with pass catchers like these. And I think it just might work. I, I don't want to say that the Jets get the upset, but I absolutely would take them to cover seven and a half, even seven. I'm obviously, I was obviously lower on most, I don't want to say lower than most people. I don't know what most people really thought about Zach Wilson, but I was certainly lower than the NFL was on Zach Wilson. Still think this could be a spot where he does surprisingly well. I, I don't think, I don't think the Tennessee defense has much going for it at all. And I think if, uh, if they don't rush Wilson, he should be able to land some throws against a defense like this, especially if the Titans are kind of like looking ahead a week, thinking that uh, they've got this in the bag. I don't really think they do. No, I I, I don't either. Um, e- even against the Jets, I, I think that the, the uh, this is a flawed uh, Tennessee team. Uh, before we get on to um, or one last one last point on, on the Jets here. So if theoretically Zach Wilson were to land some of these throws. Who do you like as the guy to catch them? Well, I guess Corey Davis has to be the heavy favorite, not even for the revenge game reason, but I guess it can't hurt. Why not? Uh, but the, the Titans just don't really seem to have a whole lot at corner. Like maybe Fulton's okay, but Corey Davis on five foot nine, uh, Janoris Jenkins, that's, that's a definite mismatch. It looks like Elijah Moore might be out with that concussion. So I guess we can't really look to him, but Definitely think Jamison Crowder, I guess if if not him, Braxton Berrios even uh, might get a bit going here. I think the, the biggest problem that the Titans have is like they don't seem to be getting anything from Alvin Dupree, which is not shocking, especially given the injury that he's returning from. So if there's no pass rush on Wilson, that kind of just gets rid of what's been his biggest issue to this point, which is, don't get me wrong, he's missed a lot of throws, made some bad plays, but if he had better blocking, he would have looked better than he had. And, and that this game, this matchup should be the best pass blocking he's gotten through four weeks. Okay. All right. That all that is encouraging for, for sure. I, I, uh, I'm not picking the Titans in survivor by any means. I don't know if I'll even I would not do that this year. Yeah. And I feel like they might be a little bit trendy this week. Uh, we're officially putting the stamp down advising against that. Uh, before we get on to our next game, a quick word from our sponsors over at blue wire. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, on to the next matchup, Mario. We got Chiefs, Eagles, Chiefs, seven-point road favorites in this one going up against an Eagles team that I, I kind of think is on the verge of a collapse that, which is never, they never wish you want to hear uh, three weeks into a new coaching regime. Um, but it, I don't think hurts is the answer. Um, and I, I don't know if the, if the offense itself is doing him any favors necessarily, right. but um, it's, I mean, what Dallas did to them on, on Monday night was pretty sobering. I thought. Yeah, that was not a competitive game at all, and I it's it's kind of frustrating because I was I'm not high on Jalen Hurts exactly, but it is still annoying to watch the way they they kind of unintentionally I'm sure, but they they did kind of set him up for failure. Not calling a carry for Miles Sanders until there was like three and a half minutes left in the second quarter. Yeah. Uh, they called like three running back carry attempts all game. That is precisely what you would do if you were trying to sabotage Jalen Hurts. Because you need to have the run threat understood for the defense to, to leave him the openings that he needs to thrive as a passer. What we saw in that game was the defense sitting on the pass. And, I mean, Riddick was kind of just laying into Jalen Hurts. I don't even think he meant to. He was just kind of being honest about what was happening in the plays. And every single play was just to the to the nature of, oh, we'll see this throw. He needed to make the throw right now. And then it's like two and a half more seconds of scrambling. Like, and then he threw it over here. And that was bad for these reasons. And just series of mistakes every single play. Like, never just one clear error. It was just compounding, cascading issues all over the place. And that's exactly what happens when you make a player like him play in that situation. The situation looks like it's almost guaranteed to occur again here. I don't know anything that the, the Eagles can do to stop the Kansas City offense. And if they don't, then... It's the, the the Eagles are right back in the same situation yeah, as they, they were against they get Dallas, and, and they and it just compounds on itself once again. And, and this Chiefs defense is good at giving kind of disguised looks. Spagnuolo is good at that. It could be even worse looking for Hurts in this game. They could just be uh, the Jalen Hurts first half and none of the garbage time to kind of gloss up the stats in, in the second half. It could just be he finishes this game with like a hundred yards passing on twenty eight attempts, and they bench him or something. Right, exactly. So, yeah, this one I, I think is is going to be bad, and, and I think you also, you, you know, the Chiefs they, they've lost two in a row. You don't really get to say that very often. Um, usually, coming off a loss, you, you almost unilaterally are expecting them to, to bounce back. And I think on any given week, you kind of expect the Chiefs to, to win their matchup. But you know, two weeks now going up against a, a sort of wounded duck of, a, of an Eagles team. I think that this could be a trouncing and I, I think that we could see, you know, like that. I think the Tyreek Hill big game is definitely in play. Um, CEH bounced back last week. I thought that was, that was encouraging. I don't know if, I, if I'm buying all the way back in necessarily, but uh, obviously a good sign that he was able to, to get over a hundred scrimmage yards to get yards from scrimmage against uh, the chargers. Kelsey, of course, is still Kelsey. And then, then you know, that even brought out a Jody Fortson, uh, whom I was unfamiliar with his stylings before uh, that, that game as well. So they, they got so many guys. I think that th- this is just going to be a complete romp. I, I'm thinking about loading up on the Chiefs and DFS. So it, it, stop me if, if uh, I'm the first person to come up with that, though. 
Um, I, I will try to get a lot of their defense, I can tell you that. Uh, or actually, I sh- depending on the price, I don't know what the price is, I haven't looked yet, but really like the, the Chiefs to cover this up to, like, I don't know, 13 and a half, something like that. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a whooping in, in Philly. Um, let's get on over to a more competitive game. We got the Cowboys playing host to the Panthers. Uh, this one, the Cowboys four-point favorites in this one at, at home. I, I, I think the Cowboys looked really good on, on Monday night. There, there's no way around it. I, I attribute more of it to the Eagles being bad, but I, I still think that the Cowboys are, are good. And, you know, they didn't even have big performances out of C.D. Lamb um, or, or Amari Cooper, like six combined catches for those two, and they were still able to just kind of lay, lay waste to the Eagles. Um, so get those guys a little bit more involved this week. You know, that there's no more J.C. Horn um, in Carolina, but with that foot injury, um, all that, I know that they just dealt for, I believe, C.J. Henderson. Is that right? So yeah, that, that doesn't hurt, uh, you know, just a first-rounder from, what, a year ago, and he, he's already on your team. Pretty nice uh, little scoop and score for the Panthers. Nice job, Jaguars. But I digress. How do you see this game playing out? It's tough because – I don't know if we've seen what the Panthers really are yet. And I don't just mean like, you know, they're, they're probably not as good as a three and O team usually is, but I don't just mean that. I think they also maybe haven't shown everything that they can do on offense. Like they've run a pretty simple sort of scheme and especially the detail of Robbie Anderson, not getting any targets. That doesn't seem like it's going to last. And uh, I guess someone could conclude that Robinson's is just like not playing well or, isn't fitting well with, with Darnold or something like that. Those seem unlikely to me to the point that I'm just not really going to consider it. So I think they might be kind of saving some tricks and whether the Darnold can thrive, you know, capitalize on those, those eventual revelations, I guess we'll see like this Dallas defense, maybe it's not good. Maybe it's only average, but even if it's only average, it's a lot better than it was last year. Seems like Trevon Diggs is, uh, you know, he was, he was playing T-ball against the Eagles that you could tell yeah. it was a little too easy for him. But, uh, you know, maybe maybe he's just gotten that good where he, he can play at that level. Uh, but we're going to see DJ Moore will definitely be a better test, and that'll be an interesting collision right there. So, uh, you know, the Dallas defense, I don't know if it's Quinn. I don't know if it's just the collection of players that they have. They have a lot of athletic players, just a lot of almost kind of doing like a – a more incoherent version of what the Cardinals are doing, where they try to go like just massive amoeba, massively, massive and fast, like amoeba fronts that are hard to, to, to determine what they're all going on there. Like all those linebackers, Micah Parsons lining up all over the place. There's a lot of speed on the field and it could be tough for Darnold. Like this, this Dallas defense could be kind of like the toughest one that Darnold has faced yet. But, you know, if they were saving some of their, you know, cooler shots these first three weeks maybe maybe carolina can catch dallas by surprise in some ways too so it should be a pretty good game um i don't know what to make of the panthers defense without jc horn i'm pretty concerned about that actually so uh i I like the pass rush still if Dak can manage the pass rush and especially if zeke can kind of keep going like he was last uh, against the eagles that should be pretty tough for for any team to deal with including the panthers defense even if it's good so definitely like dallas I'll take them to cover just because I don't know. I'm a, I, I want to leave the possibility that Darnold can do more, that they, they'll give him a chance to do more here and that he'll, he'll pull it off. But I don't need to take any leaps of faith with that. You know, it's like he, yeah. he you can kind of take it for granted that he'll do that kind of stuff. That, that's a very good point. Um, yeah. And you know, the home side of, of this as well, that, that certainly 
helps. This is, I guess, the Panthers' second straight week uh, in, the, in the great state of Texas. Um, two fantasy questions for you on the Panthers' side that I, I've gotten a fair bit this week. I wanted to hear your thoughts. Uh, one, you know, obviously waivers have run pretty much everywhere except for, like, the Roto-Wire Leagues. Um, your thoughts on, on Hubbard as a waiver wire pickup the, uh, for this week and the, these next few weeks? Well, it's um, it's hard to know what exactly will go on there. It's hard to know what might change with a week of practices without Christian McCaffrey because it's one thing for Hubbard to get the call like he did against the Texans where he's been with the team all offseason. He's been getting work in training camp and stuff like that. Uh, so they, they would kind of have him the de facto off the bench guy behind McCaffrey uh, just in general until further notice. But a week of practices without McCaffrey could be that kind of, you know, new situation where it's like, okay, well, we have enough notice now to change something if we want to, and they might want to get Royce Freeman a little bit more involved, like if only to kind of limit the exposure to Hubbard, because if, if they use, you know, Hubbard with 40 plus snaps, that's, that's a lot of, exposure to, to deliberately leave him within a game. Like it's one thing for, you know, McCaffrey to get hurt last week and, and Hubbard to have to kind of do the, the emergency work. The emergency work is always something you, you know, is, you know, it could happen, but it's not something that you leave intentionally. And for them to give Hubbard that much work in this game, it would have to be more intentional this time. So they could do it. He's an interesting player. If only because, I mean, he in the past was very fast and he had that, you know, two years ago, massive season, with Oklahoma State, definitely should have declared for the draft after that because yeah. fell to the fifth or fourth, whatever it was this year. Didn't run very well uh, in the uh, the pro day. He was like a high 4-4 kind of guy. Uh, was expected two years ago to run more like a 4-3-8, 4-3, maybe even less than that, maybe even better than that. Last week, he looked more like the junior year Shuba Hubbard at Oklahoma State, you know, playing pretty well, 52 yards and 11 carries, three of five targets caught for 27 yards. That's all good. And if he keeps playing like that, he could have a pretty, I don't know, I don't, I don't want to say like huge um, level of production with Christian McCaffrey out, but there's a lot of running back usage to distribute in that offense. Uh, Mike Davis obviously caught a lot of targets last year. Rodney Adams, or sorry, Ron, Ronnie Smith, when he was out there, was getting a lot of work last year. That just seems to be a feature of the offense. I think Freeman can do some things, so I don't want to assume Hubbard can definitely hold him off, but... I guess if he keeps running like last week, he will. And then Freeman in the meantime is, you know, playing catch up with the whole scheme. Doesn't have any roots there. So uh, maybe it'll take Hubbard screwing something up for them to turn to Freeman. And if Hubbard doesn't screw up, I don't know what the limitation would really be because uh, he's, he's not a lock as a prospect, but he's got a lot of really clear positive indications in there. I like it. All right. So what, uh, so arrow potentially trending up there. Uh, for, for Hubbard, stuff is uh, in motion. And then uh, one last thing, Tommy Tremble, your thoughts? Well, I guess we got to pay attention because, you know, if they're giving him goal line carries. Yes, that's right. And uh, targets, that's – yeah, I mean, he almost might be, in a way, part of the replacement plan for McCaffrey. He almost, he almost looks more like a fullback than a tight end anyway. So we'll see that – 19 snaps, one carry, one target. That's not going to keep doing it, but he might have given them reason to change the usage. And yeah, he is athletic. He he had a weird college career where he didn't do a whole lot, but it wasn't because he was inefficient or kind of like failing. It's just they didn't really try to use him. And uh, 
we'll see what he's capable of. He's still, he's a young prospect too. Who could just kind of still be in the process of changing fundamentally as a player. Fair. All, all points uh, well taken there. Definitely. So I, I like Tremble. I, th- I think that, like you said, you know, it, and Arnold's it, gone. So, yes. I mean, yeah, who, who the hell knows? He could, he could be quite busy all of a sudden. Yes. And Ian Thomas is not real um, in my opinion. So um, blocker. Yeah, I think, uh, I think Tremble uh, is maybe, uh, maybe not someone that, that you're picking up just yet, but um, I'm definitely going to be paying close attention to how he does Sunday against the Cowboys. Uh, before we get on to our next game, we got a message from our friends over at WinBets. There's one thing we appreciate here at Rotowire. It's making good decisions, and even more so, making the right decision. Listen up, folks. I have an incredible offer for you with Rotowire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBet is now the exclusive partner and sponsor for Rotowire's fantasy podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action with user friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over unders, round robins live betting, and so much more at your fingertips. Do you want to break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in six states. That's Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. While rapidly expanding at WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all RotoWire listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. Download WinBet right now that's w-y-n-n-b-e-t winbet the exclusive partner for rotowire's fantasy podcast we also get a message from our friends over at yahoo dfs the new nfl season is underway and yahoo is excited to kick off daily fantasy football there will be a ton of big prize contests throughout the season on yahoo including their multi-entry contest now being shark free celebrate the beginning of football season in yahoo daily fantasy becoming shark free Yahoo is giving all users the opportunity to claim a free $10 in contest entry credit. Users can take advantage of this free $10 contest entry credit offer to join one of Yahoo's biggest contests. In addition to the free credit, Yahoo has a $1 million DFS football contest live. The $1 million uh, contest features $1 million in total prizes, including first place receiving $100,000 and an entry to the first ever Yahoo Fantasy Football Championship live finals event which will occur at mgm national harbor in maryland hey that's where i'm from in december play daily fantasy football on yahoo this season visit sports.yahoo.com slash daily fantasy slash welcome that's sports.yahoo.com slash daily fantasy slash welcome to claim the free ten dollars to get started all right mario Back to the games. We've got a lot to get to and not a ton of time to do it. So let, let's uh, hit these. we got Giants, Saints, Saints, seven-point favorites at home in this one. This is their first home game of the season, first true home game of the season, of course. That first one was played at a neutral site in Jacksonville. Giants look like a mess. How do you lose to the Falcons? How do you lose to the Falcons at home? Uh, that's just tough. Um, so the Saints, they, they've been kind of a, a strange team all year. Um, all three games kind of uh, all a little bit head scratchy when you when you look at, at the overall box score, but um, you know they were able to to get the get the resounding win over the Patriots a week ago. So your thoughts on this one? It's a tough one to figure out. Eight and a half, seven and a half points is a lot, even for the Giants, uh, even on the road, even with the Saints making their home debut for twenty twenty one. But 
Maybe it's sound. I mean, the, the Giants can't have much more will to play for Joe Judge, right? And, and Jason Garrett. This has, has to be so disheartening to deal with that. Whereas Sean Payton's guys play high, uh, high motor all the time for him. He always has them ready to go. He's always got smart it's ideas. Incentivized. Yeah, so um, I don't know. It's, it might be one of those things that has a psychological element rather than just the personnel collisions. Uh, Dennis Allen's doing a great job with the Saints defense. Daniel Jones hasn't even really had a truly bad game yet, and you would think that has to happen eventually. So maybe here, I guess if I have to take a side, I'll, oh man, I'll, I'll take the Saints. Maybe losing Blake Martinez makes the the Giants' run defense kind of lose some ground, and and uh, maybe without that sort of constant detail of their defense, the rest of it starts to chip apart too. Uh, the Saints defense should show up in any case, and I guess we'll see how much damage they can do themselves. And, and uh, the Saints offense doesn't need to necessarily do a whole lot, as, as we saw in their two wins this year. Doesn't need to do a whole lot if the defense is playing the way it has. No, absolutely. And then um, going on to the Giants quickly, uh, you know, with the, with their banged up personnel um, in in the passing game, where do so. It, do you think like some of the slack, the, those targets end up going, you know, a little bit more towards like does Kadarius Tony get involved finally? Do, do some of these other receivers start to pop up in light, or do we see a, a lot more Kenny Galladay? He looks like he's already frustrated. What's what's going on? Well, I think Galladay will show up either way eventually. Like I just, I think he'll be fine. I know it's been in rough looks so far, but the, the peripherals look pretty good to me. And if Slayton's not out there. Jones is going to have to force the ball at Galladay, and for fantasy purposes, that works fine. Uh, we don't we don't care if the Giants have an ugly offense or, or get inefficient with their targets, as long as we get those targets. And yeah. I kind of like it as a GPP kind of consideration. I guess I haven't seen the prices, but Galladay is not going to stay invisible forever. And when you're talking about the depth of uh, average depth of target with a guy like him and his ability to thrive in that part of the field, it, the correction has to happen eventually. And even if it's against a good defense, I, I think. Uh, he can have that garbage time type production and the, the Giants still get wrecked. We love it. The, the Giants Giants could be a, a great garbage time. The NFC East might just be the place to be for, for garbage time this season. Let's get on over. We got Browns, Vikes. Is this a Kevin Stefanski homecoming uh, going going up uh, into Minnesota? Here in Minnesota, getting their first win of the season a week ago against uh, Seattle and, and the Browns, of course, taking care of business last weekend in their own right. So, um, your thoughts on this matchup where the Browns are anywhere between one half, two and a half point favorite um, on the road. I think I finally like this spot for Odell Beckham to really get going. The The Vikings still aren't good. And even last week, I don't know how the Seahawks produced as poorly as they did on the scoreboard. There's, they're just not being managed very well. And I think the Vikings got away with it. Uh, just the other team being dumber than them, basically. But we'll see. Yeah, the, the, the Vikings offense is legit, with or without Dalvin Cook. Uh, K.J. Osborne disappeared last week with Conklin showing up instead in the box score. Conklin hurt now. Even if he's out, I think Osborne is still legitimate. I think it's just for whatever reason. The game plan got away with, from him. But if they have those third receiver snaps, then he should stay pretty steady, uh, especially if the, if the Vikings defense is as bad in the secondary as I think we have reason to believe. Um, Patrick Peterson, and especially Bashar Breeland, cannot cover Odell Beckham, not even a little bit. Uh, so even if Beckham's still only like 85%, I think as long as that Browns offensive line can keep Daniil Hunter away from Baker Mayfield, 
Beckham should get open enough and, and Baker should be on target enough to capitalize. And if they can't, then I guess you do start to think the, the Vikings might be the favorite because I love Nick Chubb, obviously, and, and Kareem Hunt can produce two on the ground. But I think if, if Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen are all playing the way they have been so far this year, you're going to need more than Nick Chubb and that Browns offense to step up, and especially in the sense of after defensive adjustments. Like, if they really can't get Beckham going and they can't get any pass catchers going, Mike Zimmer can probably find a way to sell out against the run well enough to, to stop Chubb from single-handedly beating them. Well, uh, then in that, in that case, um, I I believe that, that they will be able to get Odell Beckham go, going. I like it a lot for Beckham. Indoor might not hurt either. Like, I don't know, maybe, yeah, maybe well, he all of a sudden looks a little bit faster, yeah. Like that. Uh, I've actually been on the field there. I took a, took a tour of, of that uh, stadium a couple summers ago. It's uh, that's How fast did you feel as a tourist? Unbelievably uh, fast. And, and uh, someone that, or my girlfriend uh, at the time threw a, a pass to me and her dad tried to intercept it. And uh, he fell down and broke his glasses. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> it was intense, man. <laughs> I thought you were going to say you mossed him. Well, I guess you did. In a, in a way, I, I really did. I mean, I got, I got yard sales. Um, anyway, um, let, let's, let's, let's move on over. Next game, I think we've exhausted our, our Minnesota discussion for this week. Dolphins, Colts, Colts. Oh, my God. Dolphins, I don't really know what, what their deal is either, but they gave us a really fun game last weekend, one of the most fun games of the entire weekend, one of the most fun games of the entire season so far um, against – the Raiders. So your thoughts on this one? I don't know. These are two very weird teams that are dealing with different, but varied types of dysfunction. The Colts to me look like they're kind of falling apart and uh, they're, they're mismanaged in several senses. The Dolphins mismanaged in some senses too, but they've kind of had some, I would say worse luck, like two of being out not to assume that Tua would have been good, but Tua being out and having to play Brissett is just brutal. Brissett is so bad. And the offensive line, to be fair to him, is not helping. Miles Gaskin is the only thing they can really count on in that offense, and they don't even choose to use him a lot of the time. So maybe that's a good decision here. Maybe the Colts' run defense finally gets going. It's kind of hard for me to imagine that Grover Stewart, DeForest Buckner keep getting just lit up all the time. But then again, as far as just this year goes, they don't deserve any benefit of the doubt. The, the Colts defense and offense both are a mess. Uh, the Colts injuries on the offensive line are, are pretty concerning at this point. Uh, obviously losing Braden Smith alone was really bad and uh, Fisher playing poorly, Nelson getting hurt again. These are ways that even more complications can arise, even though this should be a good spot to get Jonathan Taylor going. And then, again, even if it were a good spot to get Jonathan Taylor going, maybe Frank Reich would rather just lose and give it to give the ball to a worse player. Uh, he's shown a distinct fondness for making his team worse deliberately, putting his lesser players on the field. Uh, you deserve to lose when you do that. They're getting what they deserve through three weeks. They'll try to make it four, perhaps, or maybe they'll try to do something different. It's up to them. I don't know. But they give Taylor the ball. I don't see what a defense that just let Peyton Barber run all over them would have to do about it, I don't think. Uh, even the offensive line, if it's beat up like it is, I don't know if that changes the fact that this Miami run defense looks really bad. And if the Colts act even vaguely rational, they will just give the ball to Jonathan Taylor because uh, they're a joke. Carson Wentz is a joke. Um, every detail of that offense is just just hilariously bad. And uh, 
if they want to keep looking stupid and failing miserably, they can definitely do it. Um, but if they get the ball to Taylor, they might, uh, you know, despite their their tendency to have worse judgment, they might come out ahead if they do that. So do, do you do you think Indianapolis goes in and wins this one? or If they give the ball to Taylor, yeah, because Jacoby Brissett, I don't think – I mean, I don't, I don't know if he could produce against the Jaguars' defense. He's He just doesn't really – again, the offense line is making it hard on him. I don't want to make it sound like he's just single-handedly destroying that offense, but they can't do anything. No, they, they probably cannot. Um, who knows? Maybe maybe a little little Brissett revenge game here, though, potentially. Um, anyhow, let's get on over. We got football team Falcons in this one. Two teams who are reeling to this point just a bit. Um, football team got shellacked last weekend. Did not really see that coming. The Falcons, of course, coming off their first win of the year. Falcons, one-and-a-half-point dogs at home here in Atlanta. Your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I think Washington is uh, dysfunctional on defense, and I'm guessing it has to do with Del Rio's coverages, like we were talking about a little earlier. However, I think this offensive line for the Falcons is so just disreputable that I can't imagine how Washington could screw this up. Like, you, you could play prevent defense every single play, and I still think they might get six sacks in this game. So, uh, I don't know what the Falcons think they're doing. I don't think that they won last week by their own merit more th- as much as yeah, the, the Giants just yeah. Giants just being a stupid team. So um, I think Antonio Gibson should be in a good spot to get going here if his mispractice isn't related to anything major. Uh, the, the Falcons, to me, just look like a team at risk of uh, doing a lot of three and outs. I don't know. That, that offensive line sucks, and Arthur Smith – Maybe he'll figure it out, but he clearly had the wrong idea in the first month of his uh, first year with the Falcons. Yeah, not going well so far. Uh, do we do we think that there's some some silver linings here for the the Kyle Pitts or the uh, Calvin Ridley investors? Well, Rid- Ridley and Pitts are both very good, but if Matt Ryan's producing at the level that he has through three weeks, it doesn't really matter. Uh, they will go as Ryan does, but uh, if Ryan's going to you know, not just Ryan's fault. The offensive line is a big part of the issue. Uh, maybe even play calling is not so good. I don't know. Uh, if those, if that kind of passing production is all that's up for grabs, it doesn't matter if Ridley and Pitts combine for like 80% share. That's 80% of 220 yards. Isn't that great? And that's like the best case scenario. So Ryan has to get it together. I don't know if they will. I don't really see any reason to think they will. Yeah, yeah I, I don't either. I think that, yeah, the Falcons are, are kind of, Doom, they, they kind of uh, waited a year too long to um, get their uh, replacement plan in place for, for Matt Ryan. And they did it in a year where there were a bunch of really good quarterbacks available at, at the number four spot. But, yeah, they should have not traded Julio. Like, if, if you're going to take Pitts, don't trade Julio. And if you're going to take Pitts, uh, trade back. I don't know. Like, try to take if – if you can't be convinced to take Fields or even Mac Jones, then trade back. Let someone give you a first rounder for the privilege of taking one of those players, but don't take Kyle Pitts. Uh, waste the one year that you probably already shouldn't get on his rookie contract where he's categorized as a tight end. Because when you need to extend him at age 24, you're going to have to pay the wide receiver price, and you probably won't have a good quarterback the way you're going at it this far. So, yeah, their, their GM is a, is a clown, and uh, they're all paying for it. Absolutely. Um, and Julia, want, Julia J wants to know, a loyal listener of ours, she wants to know if 
uh, I went eyeglass shopping uh, with with uh, with that uh, man uh, after after. Uh, after you might have gotten years. like a domestic violence charge if you had just like just showing up with this old man saying, uh, too fa- too "I was long. I was playing I was roughhousing with them and uh, anyway we found broke some, his glasses. Found some tape back at the ranch, back at the house, and then uh, we went to a." St. Paul Saints game that that evening, and uh, it was Sesame Street night. That was a that was a great little Saturday a couple years ago. Um, a lot of fun. Um, let's go on over. Uh, we got a couple more games to, to hit uh, before then. Uh, we got a message from our friends over at Vivid Seats. Preseason football has wrapped up, and we're ready for the regular season to kick off this week. Live events are making a comeback, and there's no better place to be than Vivid Seats to get back into the action. So grab your NFL tickets and cheer on your favorite team from the stands. Man, that feels great to say. Even better, they just launched a new and improved rewards program with free tickets for every fan. Earn rewards, ticket upgrades, and perks just for shopping. If you're looking for tickets to the game, your favorite artist, or that new show everyone's talking about, Vivid Seats has it all. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. All right, Mario, we got a handful of games left to go. Let's, uh, Let's hit this one. We got Seahawks, Niners. We got the Niners at home, two and a half point favorites in this one. Uh, I mean, they obviously had the the impressive performance um, against the the Packers. Obviously, they didn't finish the the job in that one. They left too much time for Aaron Rodgers. Any any amount of time seems to be too much time uh, against that guy. Um, your thoughts on this matchup? I don't know. The, the Seahawks they're doing poorly to this point. They kind of blew it basically, but. I think there's a way they can fix it and they might take nothing more than just the sense of urgency to fix it. Like taking, uh, just taking that pressure they feel at one and two going on the road against a divisional opponent that might just kind of make them quicker to turn to their sort of up-tempo, more aggressive offense. And it seems like if you just make Russell Wilson throw more, uh, they, there's more to, to extract than they've gotten to this point. And that obviously you can overdo it like last year, but they're not getting that diminished return. They're, they're, there's still more they can go mining for there, I think. And the, the 49ers, the defense isn't bad. It's, it's certainly decent, and there's some really good players. Uh, Bosa, of course, is especially a threat on that defensive line. But I don't think these corners can really cover Lockett, and especially not Metcalf. I mean, even a guy who's pretty good, like Emmanuel Mosley, he's like 5'11", 180. And he's not running a 4-3-3, let alone 4-3-3 at 230 pounds like Metcalf. So as long as they give Wilson time to throw, and if they just keep sending Lockett and, and Metcalf vertical, I think they should be able to, I don't know, I don't, I don't want to say they'll get the upset, but I, I like the chances of getting it because I'm not convinced that the 49ers can play that kind of aggressive, up-tempo, pass-happy game because they're, they're giving the ball to Jimmy Garoppolo then, and he's bad, so... Uh, if How much longer do you think he has? I don't know. Kyle Shanahan's just ridiculous. It's it's like whatever reasoning you could have isn't something that he's likely to go with himself. He just makes his own decisions about, I, I don't know, maybe he has some basis in mind. I don't really see it. Seems like he's kind of just a, you know, do what he feels like kind of person. And uh, it's gotten him this far, but I don't think it can get him any further. So he should... He should uh, get Garoppolo off the field or prepare to get Garoppolo off the field because they're not going to seriously compete with quarterback play like that. And in any case, the more the Seahawks make this game quarterback versus quarterback, the worse the odds get for the 49ers. So th- those corners are beat up. Take advantage. I don't see what other choice they even have. 
All right, let's move on over. Cards, Rams, uh, your quick synopsis on this one. The Rams look like an absolute wagon. Cardinals, obviously, they look like they might be, they have a good case to, to be the second best team in that division, um, but they could prove that they're the best team in the division, theoretically, um, with, with a win on Sunday. Uh, your thoughts here? Yeah, I don't think you want to play the the shorter intermediate game against that, that front seven that has so much size and speed and so hard to tell where they're lining up any given play. But if you just opt out of that and attack deep, I think those corners for the Cardinals, even with Quinton Dunbar there, even if he's ready to go, uh, I think you should be able to make some of those plays that Stafford did against the Bears, where you're just going deep on him. Don't mess around in that part of the field where it's confusing to read the defense. Just go deep to Jackson, go deep to Jefferson, whoever it is. Let Stafford, you know, just kind of take over the field and, and make that defense spread itself thin. Maybe then you start attacking underneath. Um, the Cardinals offense should make it tough. Like, I don't, I don't see any reason to think they struggle. Um, but I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, it's hard for me to see Stafford falling off here. And if he keeps producing the way he has, I generally do have to defer to McVay over Kingsbury. If, if we're talking about just coach scheming because, uh, Cliff's doing good, but McVay, you know, he's, he's kind of one of those special category of coaches and he's at home. So, uh, maybe four and a half and six points is a lot, but I think the Rams should get the win. I, th- I think so as well. I think the Rams just really might be that team that this year. I, th- I thought that uh, their, their game against the Bucks was unbelievably impressive, and you know it's just one of those things where um, you, you just see, you know, Cup has the monster game, Stafford looks amazing, and then it's like, oh, uh, they also have Deshaun Jackson. And Kate, just when you thought that you know you, you might have been able to have everything buttoned up. He looked uh, pretty fast too. Yes, they, he, they, he did. I like Van Jefferson, but they might want to get Deshaun more snaps because uh, if he's not hurt, he's still a beast. I think. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Ride that for as long as as he can uh, stay on the field because he he definitely still has it. Um, let's go uh, Steelers Packers real quick. Um, Packers six and a half point favorites. I I like the Packers to cover that one at home. Sure. Yeah. No, Steelers suck. The Steelers are a complete mess. Um, I think Najee Harris will continue to, to produce for fantasy purposes just because he's like the only guy with a pulse, it seems like, that um, stands close enough to Ben Roethlisberger for passes to be completed. Ben um, can't so. throw in the middle of the field, so if he's not throwing outside, he's got to check down. Yep, and, and th- therein lies uh, Najee Harris. But, um, yeah, it's, it's empty calories a lot of the time that the Steelers, I think, are, are in big trouble. With, but we've, we've had to smell out for that one for quite some time. Uh, let's go Ravens Broncos Ravens uh, upwards of, of one point underdogs in, in this one or in some places one point favorites. So th- this one's kind of all over the map. Um, I don't really know how, how to feel on this one. Uh, where are you with this with this particular matchup? I'm pretty concerned for the Ravens. Uh, I don't want to count out Lamar, but this is about as quickly as I'm willing to do it. Going to Denver still pretty early in the year. Hopefully it's not as hot as it was last week for the, the Jags last week. No, not the last week. Jets last week, yeah. Um, you, you, you get tired. Like, the Denver Browns are a good team in the first place. If you're going there playing 85% stamina against them, it's it can just get really difficult. Uh, I don't accept, I don't think it's a good matchup for Lamar. I think he needs some help from the run game that just isn't really there. And, uh, yeah, I, I think Denver can kind of just – be very conservative on offense and sort of play field position game here and probably win. I think that I would take them to cover. 
Yeah, I, I like the Broncos in in this spot as well. I think that um, the pass rush could be something that, that gives Baltimore fits. I don't think that Baltimore's offensive line personnel is either any combination of healthy or impressive at, at this point, and that, that could be a problem against Von Miller and company. Um, let's touch on one more game here. Uh, we got Patriots, Bucks. We'll, we'll leave uh, Raiders, Chargers out, unfortunately. Sorry about that, everybody. But uh, Bucks, Patriots, I think everyone kind of expects the, the Bucks to smash. Julia does want to know, though, um, what your thoughts are on this Patriots backfield situation. Well, it sucks that James White got hurt. Um, as far as who can actually do the things that he did, I would, I guess, lean toward J.J. Taylor, but I don't know how many snaps a five foot five running back can realistically give you. If he gets the ball and if he's getting the snaps, I don't want to count him out, though. He's a totally good player at Arizona, very productive, and uh, you, it is hard to see him and stuff. If he's getting decent blocking, that could be pretty frustrating for a defense. Maybe this is one of the Buccaneers' defense is to have a five foot five running back uh, that they can't see. I don't know, but uh, I hate the spot for Mac Jones. I guess the Tampa defense being beat up helps, but I, I don't think he has good enough receivers to really thrive right now. I don't think the tight ends really suit his game as much as it would have Cam Newton. Uh, I don't think that the Patriots thought this all through very well, and I, I bet Brady is totally willing to run up the score. Yeah, no, he he 100% is. I, I think that this is going to be, uh, you know, the – like Steve Smith promised against the, the Panthers years ago, a blood and guts game. I think that the Tom Brady's going to go into New England and kind of just eviscerate. It's going to be, it's going to be quite a show uh, on Sunday night. Looking forward to that one. And then Julia, one last question here is Melvin Gordon slated to play this week. Uh, he was on the injury report Wednesday with some ribs. He was limited. Um, so we'll, we'll have to pay attention to his uh, level of participation in practice both today and tomorrow to get a clearer picture on, on his status going into Sunday. But the fact that he was limited when Wednesday, I think tends to be a good ish sign. If you're going to be on the injury report, at least be, you know, be limited on, on Wednesday. I think, I think it's a good spot for him too. I think he could get a lot of work. Yeah. Uh, the, I thought the Lions ran, ran pretty well against uh, Baltimore last week. I think that Baltimore's not the greatest against the run. So um, this could be a good spot like you mentioned. But Mario, that's going to wrap things up for us here on our week four preview of the Rotowire NFL podcast. Again, brought to you by our friends over at WinBet. For Mario Puig, I'm John McKechnie. Thanks for listening. Try Rotowire today, free for 10 days. Get our premium tools, rankings, analysis, and breaking news alerts. No credit card required. Go to rotowire.com forward slash try. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. 
mypatriotsupply.com.